Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, and then also verses 20 through 24. If you'd like to read along, you can find that on page 788 in your pew Bible. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, And he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And that's on page 904 in your pew Bible. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, 
and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into internal, internal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Let us bow together now in prayer. Gracious God, we pray that you will take the words that we have read and heard and write them upon our hearts, that they may be for us the guides to lives of faithful discipleship in obedience to Christ Jesus our King, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. Well, today is the last Sunday of the Christian year, the day that we refer to as the Festival of Christ the King. Next Sunday, we will embark on a new journey through the liturgical calendar as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent. We will begin once again the cycle of telling the history of salvation, tracing Israel's hope for a Messiah from David's lineage to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And then in the weeks after that, we will recall his life, his ministry that led to his death on a hill outside Jerusalem on a cross that bore a sign that read, Jesus king of the Jews. The fact is that neither that child born in the manger nor the man crucified outside Jerusalem looks very much like a king. I know the sign on the cross said that's what he was. I know we describe him as king of kings. We sing, rejoice, the Lord is king crown him with many crowns. We, we proclaim him Lord of years, potentate of time. We use words to describe what we understand a king to be, but always from our secular perspective. And the fact is that Jesus was not what Israel expected of a king, and he's not really what we expect of a king either, is he? In spite of all of our claims to the contrary, we don't always know what to make of Jesus or how we should regard him. We refer to him as a king, but we know that people of royal status are born into secure and privileged homes. 
they're educated to be shrewd, calculating people. They know how to promote themselves and how to dazzle the crowds. They wear fine clothes. They surround themselves with teams of advisors chosen from the elite of society. They have power to raise armies, power to change the course of human life and history with a word or the wave of a hand. That's what kings do. And Jesus was nothing at all like that. He was not of noble birth. He wore common leather sandals and a homespun tunic. His advisors, they were a bunch of ragtag craftsmen and fishermen and even a tax collector found his way in there among them. He was a humble man. He commanded no army. He controlled no territory. He was scorned and ridiculed by his own people until at last he was enthroned on a cross. Certainly not what we expect of a king, is it? And because Jesus does not appear to be what we envision a king to be, let's all admit that it sometimes is hard for us to grasp just what he's all about. And it's hard to comprehend what kind of people he invites us to be as citizens of this peculiar kingdom that he launches among us. You may remember some years ago there was a popular novel, not a profound piece of literature, but a popular one nevertheless called The Shack. It told the story of a man by the name of Mac who was wrestling with the nature and character of God and just where God could be found in the midst of human pain and suffering. In a fairly dramatic encounter with God, Mac found that God was nothing at all like he expected. He asked God, why would you appear in such a strange, unexpected way? And God says that it is to keep Mac from falling back into his religious conditioning to avoid reinforcing the cultural stereotypes that keep him from having a meaningful relationship with God. And God says to him, the problem is that many folks try to grasp some sense of who I am by taking the very best version of themselves, projecting that to the nth degree, factoring in all the goodness they can perceive, which often isn't very much, and then calling that God. And while it may seem like a noble effort, the truth is that it falls pitifully short of who I really am. And so it occurs to me on this Sunday of Christ the King that it may be appropriate for us to re-examine our expectations of Christ as King and our ideas about ourselves as citizens of his kingdom. Maybe this is a good day for us to have our stereotypes challenged rather than reinforced and to try to see him as he is and not as we would like to imagine him. And a good place to start is in the text we read from Ezekiel, 
where the prophet draws a vivid picture of a ruler from the house of David who will reign over the people of God. It's a picture of a good shepherd who will seek the lost flock of God to deliver them from the secular and religious leaders who have failed them consistently. He will gather up the poor and the oppressed, and he will heal them and feed them, protect them, defend them, and ensure that they're treated with justice. This shepherd king rules in gentleness. His power is expressed in acts of love and compassion. And if we look at the lesson from Matthew's gospel, we find that Jesus builds on that image of the shepherd who sits on the throne to judge among the people. And as the shepherd king speaks, he makes it clear to us that the meeting of elementary human needs for food and clothing and hospitality and compassion and justice is the fundamental requirement for discipleship for partnership in the kingdom of God. And those who are cold and indifferent to others, those who are self-obsessed, cannot participate in this kingdom. Only those who forget themselves in the service of others can inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for them before the foundation of the world. It would not be long after he told that parable that Jesus would gather his followers around a table in an upper room. He would take a basin and a towel and get on his knees and wash the feet of his disciples. And then he would invite them through the bread and the wine to take his body and blood into themselves so that they might know in a new and powerful way just who he is and who they were called to be. I believe that it is in the fellowship of this table that you and I also meet Christ our King, the one who is willing to empty himself completely, to to pour himself out for the sake of his people, his sheep. He makes it clear for all of us to see at this table what kind of king he is and what life in his kingdom is all about. And he reminds us that the kingdom of God is not pie in the sky by and by. It's here and now. It is a gift that he gives us, a gift to be embraced by everyone whose relationship with him is embodied in relationships with the least among us, in acts of love and mercy and compassion and justice. Honestly, I think one of the major reasons that Jesus calls us to this table is to keep us from being trapped in our religious stereotypes of him and of ourselves. Because I think this table has a way of clearing up our mistaken perceptions of him and our mistaken perceptions of ourselves as his disciples. And so he invites us, all of us, to come to this table. Come, he says, you who are blessed by the Father,
Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. And remember as you come here that what we do to the least of those among us, we do to him whom we proclaim as our king. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.